Over the years, I developed the Trust Habits Framework. It has some unique characteristics, such as the recognition that trust is relative, which adds a level of complexity to how you help people become more trusted. You can't just give generic strategies. Being more trustworthy is something that must be developed one relationship at a time. After delivering many, many workshops, I realized that the ideal person in the organization to help build trust, not only for themselves, but for everyone else in the organization, is the HR professional. And in this episode, I explain how I reached that conclusion. I'm also really excited to announce that I have partnered with a major HR association to deliver the first Trust Habits HR certification program. It's a three-day program in January of 2023. In the following weeks and months, we will release more information. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? If I'm going to convince you that it is important for you as an HR professional to build trust in the organization, I first need to explain or or convince you that having trust in the organization is an important thing. I like to quote the uh, statistics that I gathered from, uh, some of it was from my own research, some of it came from uh, other research done by other people and before my time. When you have high level of trust compared to when you have low level of trust in an organization, employees feel 74% less stressed, 106% more energized. They experience 60% more joy at work, 56% higher job satisfaction, 66% feel closer to their colleagues. They feel 11% more empathy towards their colleagues. 76% higher engagement in what they do, 50% more likely to stay with the company another year, at least one more year, 70% feel more aligned with the company purpose, 41% are feeling a higher sense of accomplishment, 88% more likely, they are 88% more likely to recommend this place to family and friends, they feel 40% less burnout and they take, they take 13% fewer sick days. Now, that's just to compare the, uh, an organization with low level of trust to high level of trust. You don't need to remember those. You notice how high those numbers are. How big is the difference b- between a low trust environment and a high trust environment? Now, if let, let's say that you're not on the low end, that you don't think that you have a low end uh, or a low level of trust in the organization. Let's just say that you have the average level of trust in the organization. Take these numbers, cut them in half, and see what impact you will have to go from average to a high level of trust. 
So if your employees are feeling 74% less stress as we go from low level of trust to high level of trust, they will only feel 37% less stressed if you go to average to a high level of trust. They will only have 53% more energy, only 30% more joy. You see what, I, what I'm getting at? Even if what you think is that the level of trust in your company is average, very having a high level of trust is very impactful on your company. Now, let, let me ask you something after you, you heard all of these. Which one of those uh, are of any concern or interest to an HR professional or the HR leader in the company? Obviously, all of them. But those are just the things that, that directly relate to the employees. This is what the employees feel and how engaged they are or burnt out they are or, or stressed or, or energized and so on. These are the employees. What are the consequences? How does that affect the culture of the company? Well, in my research, what I found was that the culture is really made of, uh, I'm just going to talk about the positive side for a second. Leaders give autonomy to their followers. Followers are accountable and are willing to take risk. People at the same level and overall people in the company are willing to have a constructive disagreement. Now, in order to be able to have a constructive disagreement, you have to be willing to be vulnerable with another person. You have to be willing to give that other person direct, unfiltered feedback. And you have to be receptive to that kind of feedback when you get it from somebody else. So let's see how those correlate to trust. When I trust you, I'm 67% more likely to give you, uh, or, or the level of autonomy that I give you is 67% higher. We are 71% or we have a 71% greater ability to hold a constructive disagreement. And that is because we are 240% more willing to be vulnerable, 106% more willing to give feedback, 76% more receptive to that kind of feedback. So this is how the level of trust affects teamwork, affects the relationship between leaders and their followers. By the way, one of the things to worry about within a team is that the weakest link in the team, the person who is the least trusted in the team, really dictates the level of, let's say, constructive disagreement you can have in that team for a very simple reason. If you trust every other person in that team, when you interact with the entire team, you are, as I said before, 240% more willing to be vulnerable. All it takes is one team member that you don't trust, that that 240% just goes away. And probably your willingness to give feedback or your receptivity to feedback in front of that other person. This is how it's important to make sure that the level of trust between uh, team members is high across all the relationships. You can't just have one person that has a low level of trust. How does that affect company performance? Well, companies that have a high level of trust are 50 to 64% more productive and innovative. Projects in those companies end on budget and on time 45% more than if you had low level of trust. 
Here's an amazing one for public companies. They deliver 286% higher shareholder returns. So this is kind of, in, in general, why it is important, why it's important to have a high level of trust. But do we? Do we have a high level of trust? I used to have a quiz on my website that asks 16 questions, and based on the answers to those 16 questions by anonymous visitors to the website, uh, I determined what is the level of trust in that organization. I kind of looked at the symptoms. My focus was on the symptoms of having high trust or low trust. And based on that, what I found was that 38% of just over a thousand people who visited that quiz and, and filled it, 38% felt that the level or, or reported based on the answer to those 16 questions that the level of trust in their organization was low. 7% was very low. Just between these two, 45%, almost half, really reported indications that the level of trust in their organization is low or very low, almost half. 31% reported moderate. Now, I don't know if you feel comfortable or is this something you want to say uh, to anybody else that uh, the level of trust in my organization is moderate. I don't think that anybody wants to say that it's moderate. So if you include moderate in that group, then 76%, three out of four people reported that the level of trust in their organization is moderate, low, or very low. Three out of four people. 17% reported, based on what they reported, I determined that the level of trust in their organization was good. 7% was high. One in four reported a good or high level of trust in their organizations. Three quarters reported moderate, low, or very low. Here's the scary thing. In one of my studies, one of my surveys, when I tried to correlate uh, the level of trust to uh, different, different factors, the different components that, that helped me develop the model uh, that I use today, one of the questions in order to be able to compare two relationships, I asked, is there somebody that you don't trust in the organization? Think about that person. And then I asked a series of questions. Then I asked, is there somebody you trust in your organization? Think about that person and then answer the same questions. And that allowed me to, to compare. Well, but since I started with the question, is there somebody, can you think of somebody in the organization that you trust? Here's an alarming finding. 18.3%, 18.3% of the people that I asked answered that question with no. There is not a single person in the organization that I can trust. Okay, granted, uh, it was organizations with at least two people, so the other person, so I don't trust the other person. What about organizations with 100 or more employees? That number was still high, 14.4%. One in seven people in a company, in an organization with more than 100 employees, one in seven people still said that they don't have a single person that they can trust. Not that they don't trust uh, a lot of people. They don't have a single person out of the other 100 or more that they can trust. 
9.6% in companies with more than 1,000 employees. Can you imagine that? One in, uh, one in 10 employees in a company with more than 1,000 employees says that there is not a single other person in that organization that they can trust. There's more than 1,000 people to choose from, and I still don't have a single person that I can trust. So the conclusion so far is one, trust has a big impact on the employees, on the culture, and on the performance of the company. That's on one hand. On the other hand, the level of trust we have today is far from being satisfactory. Now, you are the HR manager, professional, the HR leader. Do you care? I'm going to guess you answered with yes. How do we fix it? Well, obviously, the ideal situation was if there was a universal, an absolute set of things, of behaviors that you can exercise that will increase the level of trust and trustworthiness in the entire company. And this applies to everyone in every relationship. Unfortunately, what I found was that that's not how trust behaves. In, in my more recent TED Talk in 2022, this year, what I found was, actually, I found it long before, but what I reported is that trust is relative. See, we're different people. We're different in uh, our genetics. We're different in where we were born and raised, where we went to school, uh, where we work, where we live now. Uh, we're different because of the people that we surround ourselves with. And as a result... Because we see things differently, the same behaviors that would cause that, that you will uh, exhibit that would cause one person to trust you could cause another person to distrust you. And because of that, working on trust and building trustworthiness has to be done one relationship at a time. And that's a level of complexity. What you cannot do is do a one-to-many coaching. So I'm going to do a workshop, and, and I'm doing workshops on, on building trustworthiness, but I'm not telling people who attend my workshops that the same changes, the same behaviors would increase your trustworthiness uh, to all people. Yes, some of them will, like telling the truth. But but you know what? Is there anybody who really who thinks that uh, lying is a trustworthiness-building behavior? Nobody thinks that. But, but the rest of it is not good or bad, black or white. The rest of it is just relative. It's different. It's, it's uh, individual. And so... You, by the way, it, and it's not a bad thing that, that it's individual because you do need multiple different personalities in the company. You know, some personalities are complementary. Imagine that everybody had a type A personality. Everybody is a leader. Everything must be done their way. Can you imagine putting this group together? It, it's not going to work. There's going to be strife. There are going to be arguments and competitions and, and fights all the time because everybody wants to pull in their direction. What if everybody was an inventor? 
but you know they they come up with great ideas they just don't have the interest or even ability to execute them when you put together a team a group a company you have to have people who are very creative and inventive that come up with new ideas and at the same time you have to have people who are very good in executing and don't necessarily have to be inventors so which behavior will build trust it depends you know i i can tell you to that, that taking risk is a trustworthy building activity because we need people who can take risk, who are willing to take risk, and we need people who are not willing to take risk. We need to take people who do not procrastinate and do everything as soon as they get it. And we need people who keep on thinking and gathering new ideas and asking more people and getting newer information that do procrastinate and wait until the last minute. And they might even deliver a better deliverable. So you can't do one too many coaching. You can't coach everyone um, along the same behaviors, the, the same things. The next important comment is that trust is a two-person game. That's, that's my eighth law of trust. The trust that I have in you is the product of my trustability, my willingness to trust other people in general or your type of people. And when I say your type of people, uh, maybe I'm a marketing person and you're an engineer. What is the level of trust that I have in engineers in general? Or what is the level of trust that you as an engineer has in marketing or salespeople in general? So the level of trust that I have in you is the product of my trustability and your trustworthiness. You can hardly do anything about the former, my trustability, my willingness to trust other people in general, and everything about the latter, your own trustworthiness. So the building block of trust is trustworthiness. And if we want to build trust, if you want to build trust in the organization, your focus has to be on the trustworthiness of every person in the organization. You have to help individuals in the organization be more trustworthy. I'm, I'm going to go a step further and say it's not so much about building more trustworthiness or building positive behaviors that build more trustworthiness as it is eliminating bad behaviors that prevent people from being trustworthy, that holds them back from being more trustworthy. And the reason for that is because there was a lot of research, including Nobel Prize awarding research, that claims that we respond much stronger to negative things than to positive things. And if there is a lack of trust between two people, person A doesn't trust person B as much, person B, instead of trying to do one more positive things to earn person A's trust, the focus needs to be on let's eliminate one bad thing because that bad thing had three times the impact on lowering the trust that the first person had in the second, then adding one more positive one. So the focus has to be on eliminating distrust, on eliminating behaviors that reduce trust, that cause distrust. So let's say that we've identified what a person in the organization is doing that causes them to lose trust, to lose uh, somebody else's trust in them. 
We know what we need to fix. Is that enough? Is, is knowing enough? Actually, the Association for, Tra- for Training and Development, ATD, I think they go by TD.com now, they did a study years ago and they came up with, the, with, with this statistic. If you know what you have to do, the probability, if you know what your goal is, the probability of achieving it is 10%. You have 90% probability of not achieving it. Think about weight loss. If I told you what you have to do to lose weight, would it be enough now that you know? So, because I can tell you right now, eat less, work out more. There. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. It's not going to work. It's not going to work because you need to form habits. You need to form habits and here specifically, not habits that uh, will help you lose uh, weight, but habits that change behaviors that build trust, or more specifically, build trustworthiness. In fact, that's one of the things that's unique about my trust habits framework, because it's in the intersection, it exists in the intersection between the science of trust and the science of habit forming. It's not enough that I tell you what you have to do or what you have to stop doing. It's how we build, how we form habits that would let you do that. Because if you do that long enough and for enough times, if you repeat it enough, it will become a habit and you will have eliminated that behavior that's holding you back from being more trustworthy. And as a result, you will become more trustworthy. And at some point, you don't have to think about that anymore. So let's talk about the uh, trust habits process. It's a seven-step process. Uh, Season three of this podcast actually broke it down to the different components. I had uh, pretty much an entire episode on on every one of them. The first step is that you identify a relationship. I already said that trust is relative. Trust needs to be considered, evaluated, fixed, changed one relationship at a time. So the first step is you identify a relationship. Now, I'm going to apply the seven-step process as if you were the person who wants to be more trustworthy and you want to apply it on yourself. So identify a relationship, a relationship in which somebody depends on you. There is a dependency and that relationship is important to you. You want to be more trusted in that relationship. That's step one. Step two is identify that thing that you're doing that's holding you back. It's a bad thing. There is no sugarcoating to it. It's a bad thing that you're doing right now. You may not realize that you're doing it, but the other person does. It might be just the differences in in how you see things, but they consider that a bad thing. You will be amazed at how those things can be so small and sometimes so easy to correct. Step three would be, let's identify, let's let's define what is this new habit that I want to adopt. And essentially, it's a habit that will eliminate that bad behavior. The fourth step is you make it a SMART, S-M-A-R-T. Uh, that, that, that's a framework that came long before my time. It stands for specific, measurable, achievable. I would add to achievable, but not too easy. Relevant, uh, and I would add to that 
and impactful and finally time bound so so you want to be more specific you want you want that that goal that new habit to be smart or defined in a smart way the fifth step is you want to make it stick so there are all kinds of strategies and tools that you can use i think i listed seven of them uh, that you can use to make it stick uh, to, to make it easier for you to, to practice, to, to build, to form this habit. That's not going to be enough because, again, if I go back to the research done by the Association for Training and Development, what they identified is that if it takes only te- if, if there is a 10% probability that you achieve your goal if you only know what it is, there is a 50% probability if you know what it is, if you're committed to it, if you set a timeline and you have a plan. So this is where we are right now, but you're still at 50%. That may not be enough. You want it to be much higher. If you chose an accountability partner, you appointed an accountability partner, somebody who will be your who will hold you accountable to making sure that you do form the habits. And, and you have a regular meeting with them, you just increase the probability to 95%. We made a whole journey from 10% to 95%. And the seventh step is you execute. Alongside the supervision, uh, the trusted supervision of your accountability partner. So this is essentially the process. This is how you become more trustworthy through building, through forming habits that change your behaviors and build your trustworthiness. Okay, great. We fixed your trustworthiness. We improved your trustworthiness. But that's one person. That's you. I think that as an HR manager, leader, professional, in general, you want to help build the trustworthiness of other people in the organization. What are the alternatives? How do we deploy this to the entire organization? How do you deploy it to the entire? How do you make sure that not just you are more trustworthy and more trusted as a result, but everybody in your organization? Well, the first thing we can do is uh, let's do a workshop. Uh, It's going to be uh, self-directed because every person is different. Every person needs to work on something else. 10% 10% of them will implement it. And, and by the way, for each and every one of them, this is going to be the first time that they do it. And the first time you're not as professional as doing it for the 10th time or the 20th time. But for every person going through this process on their own, self-directed, it's going to be the first time that they do that. So I would be a little worried about the result if that's going to be enough. Alternative number two is we use an external coach. I'm going to tell you up front, I have not certified, I have not trained any external coaches yet in this method, in what I call the trust habits method or program. And even if I did, there are issues with bringing external coaches, and we'll talk about that. It's not that those are, it's a possibility. It's just that right now we don't have any, but I'll talk about the the benefits of actually using you, the internal HR professional, to do it internally. And and by comparison, you're going to see the advantages compared to an external coach. So let's start. What are the benefits of using you to build the trustworthiness of other people in the organization? First of all, you have training that other people don't have. 
You have training in understanding the human nature, the human interactions, the culture of a workplace. You, you got this training to get your certification, whichever certification, HR certification you have. Maybe you even have coaching certification. You have knowledge and training that the people we want to change or, or improve their trustworthiness don't. Second thing is you are a trusted person in the organization. You're already trusted with sensitive personnel information, with personnel files. You're the person that people go to to get personnel issues resolved, both management side and the employees themselves. So you are already you already have a head start on let's say let's bring an external coach. You're internal. You're already in the organization. You know the people. By the way, you might be working with both sides of a relationship. You're helping both person A and B to be more trustworthy, maybe not in the same relationship, but because you are on both sides of a relationship, you know much more than a coach coming from the outside to help just one of them. You know the culture. You know the dynamics within the company. You know the company itself. You know the mission. You know the goals. You live this company. And as a result, you are in such a better position to help others in the organization than somebody who comes in from the outside. Now, the other thing is, and, and I am going to announce soon the uh, a, a program, a certification program. It's a three-day certification program for you, HR managers. It's not the three-hour workshop that I typically deliver to organizations for people to build their own trustworthiness, which is important and impactful as, as by itself. But this is you're going to be getting three days of training. You're going to know a lot more about the process, but not only about the process, you will get training on how to apply the process to others in the organization, not just to yourself. Now, the next thing is, uh, for a person trying to work on their own trustworthiness, this is the first time that they're working on it. I talked about that before. For you, the more you repeat this process, you help other people, you become more experienced, you become better at it. You're going to be much more effective in helping people who need to be more trusted than them helping themselves. Now, I already said that step six and seven require an accountability partner, and that's what takes anyone from 50% to 95%, but you are there already inside the organization to provide that accountability. So it's a lot more scalable within the organization. And, you know, I hate to say it, but it costs less because you're already on the payroll. You, you don't have to hire a coach from the outside if you know how to do it, if you know how to do it right. In essence, this certification program adds a fifth layer to the structure of the Trust Habits uh, framework Uh the first layer is obviously understanding the importance of trust, getting the motivation to build trust in the uh, in the organization. And, and you have to start with that. If you, if you don't see the value of trust, then you're not going to be motivated to try and change it or improve it. 
The second layer is uh, if we are motivated enough, now let's understand how trust behaves. And, and we do that through the eight laws of trust. The third layer is the understanding of what makes a person trusted. These are the six components. And while the six components are the same components, how we interpret them, how we treat them is relative to any relationship. And, and it's different between the relationships. It's still the same six categories. It's just different. There are different areas that are important. The fourth layer is when you apply the seven-step trust habits uh, uh, framework or process on yourself. Now, by the way, even you as the HR manager, you need to make sure that you first apply it on yourself because you're going to have a hard time helping others if they don't trust you. So you have to start with being more trustworthy. You know, the, the analogy of uh, putting your oxygen mask on a plane uh, first before you put it on other people. So uh, the fourth layer is how you or anybody really uses the seven-step trust habits uh, framework or process on yourself or themselves. The fifth layer, that's the new layer. That's the layer for which I'm going to have the three-day certification program. That's learn how to coach others through this process. And the critical, it, it is so critical for you to know how to do it because you'll do it much better than they are. First, in, in for example, identifying the critical dependency relationship. You know, if without this step, somebody might work on the wrong relationship, you know, choosing the wrong reasons why I want to work on a specific relationship. The second is to identify the trust issues. And in season four, episode 10, I talked about uh, how do you measure trust? And, and I treat trust as a black box where you have the inputs that you can measure. Those are the components, those six components of the model. You have the outputs. Those are the symptoms, what you see and observe when you have or when you don't have trust, when you have high level or low level. Once again, it's really important to identify whether you have a trust issue or not. You will be more experienced in that. The, another one is, is how do you identify the right behavior to work on? Otherwise, it's so easy for someone who's doing it for the first time to focus on the wrong behavior and not get the benefits from using this, this process. It's helping them make the plan to form new behaviors, new habits. The more you do that, the more you, first of all, the more you get trained, but the more you actually execute it, the better you're going to be in helping them identify how to create that plan that's going to be effective, that's going to deliver results. And finally, it's being their accountability partner. That's the fifth layer. And that's what we're adding with this program. I haven't made any specific announcement, but I'm very excited that I have partnered with a major human resources organization to deliver the first in a series of this certification program, a three-day certification program specifically for human resource professionals, managers, leaders in January 2023. Stay tuned. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. 
email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.